Because a lot of people, some of the gurus, they downplay, oh, don't invest in your 401k. It's a horrible idea. Well, where I agree with them is that when you have very limited choice, you have one income mutual fund that you can choose from or a bond fund and your company gives you very limited options, that's a tough road, right? You're kind of being, you're not really investing. You're just basically choosing a few options and hoping for your best, right? But when you can self-direct that, you can use those funds in your 401k or your defined benefit or your health savings account or your kids Coverdale college funds. You can use all those funds to invest in real estate, buy notes, do lending from, invest in projects. You have lots of options because it's self-directed. You get to choose that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth season of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. Real estate investing is not rocket science. But it's not a fairy tale either. It's an incredible investment vehicle that builds and grows wealth. I have done it, and this is why so many of the wealthiest people in America and in the world actually invest in real estate as well. Listen in every week to learn about all the different real estate asset classes, which strategies experienced and successful investors use to live their best lives, and the processes to do it. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just listen in every week to grow your knowledge along with me and to move your finances to a place where you can live an extraordinary life. This show is sponsored by my company, Blue Lake Capital, where we help passive investors grow their wealth through large multifamily investments and funds. To learn more about my company and invest in with me, visit www.bluelake-capital.com. Welcome to Ready to Scale Season 4. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman, broadcasting from beautiful, beautiful, sunny and warm California. Today on the show, I have a very, very interesting guest. His name is Brian Miller, and he's an active film composer in Los Angeles and a co-founder of Capital Stack Investments. That's very interesting. I don't think we've had someone from the entertainment industry just yet. So that's our first very interesting guest. His clients include Walt Disney, 20th Century Fox, American Idol, NFL Films, just to name a few. So he's been working with some big names out there. What he did basically was investing his profits from his music career, and he's built an extensive real estate portfolio, which is very interesting and very exciting to hear. He has over 60 streams of income from over 25,000 rental units. He's currently building 46 single-family homes and 58 rental units in L.A., and he's also involved with charities and humanitarian organizations, and that's a personal passion for him. Originally, Brian is from Albuquerque, and now he lives in Orange County with his wife and three children. Without further ado, we'd like to welcome Brian to the show. Hey, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's great to be yeah, here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think the first question that everyone has right now in their minds is, how did a film composer in Los Angeles get involved in real estate? Well, you know, the average story of the musician who makes a lot of money doesn't usually end up well, right? Usually it ends up with yeah. a drug problem and out of money yeah, after year three or four. I remember seeing some funny documentaries about all the metal guys in the 90s who were making incredible millions of dollars. And then all of a sudden the grunge thing happened 
nobody was buying those records. They couldn't get record deals. And they went from making millions of dollars a year to making zero overnight. So I didn't want to be one of those guys. And I was on my own, right? So I had decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to, you know, create my own future and be in control of my life. Well, with that comes, there's no pension plan. The only 401k is the one that you fund yourself. So I wanted to, you know, invest for the long term. So along the way, I knew I wanted to take some of the profits from my music business and then funnel that over and build a real estate business so that I would have long-term passive cash flow for in perpetuity. And that's how you did. That's that's amazing. And you know, why real estate? I mean, there's so many other investment vehicles that you could have invested in. Sure. Well, I think it's one of the flaws that I see in the typical kind of retirement plan, right? The American dream is get a million bucks in your retirement account, withdraw your 4% a year, and just pray to God that you die the week before you run out of money. And for me, there's no freedom in that. Like I would be scared to spend that 4% because you didn't know what other expenses or scenarios or if there's a market downturn. I just find it a horrible way to like basically working your way to zero. For me, there's no freedom in that. Where if you can build 10 grand a month or 20 grand a month or 50 grand a month, however build you can build your machine. The beautiful thing about that 20 grand that's coming in every month is you can be slightly irresponsible with that or you can spend that and you can have freedom spending that because next month you get another 20 grand and the month after that you get another 20 grand. And at the same time, you're not eroding that machine that is kicking off all that cash flow. So if you can build a big enough nest egg to start living off of that passive income stream, your nest egg actually continues to grow, right? While you can live off this passive. So it gives you that freedom, gives you wealth creation, gives you something to pass down to your heirs and a much better scenario than like thinking every month, like, can I really spend this 4%? And, you know, at the end of the day, you end up with zero to give your heirs if you've effectively spent down your 4% to zero. So I just find the idea of free passive cash flow in large numbers coming in every month is a beautiful thing. You just summarized, I think, in two minutes, one of the most significant benefits of investing in real estate. Absolutely. And I share the same, you know, line of thinking. And that's why also, you know, I've been investing most of my wealth in real estate as well. Let's start our discussion and talk about, you know, assets. And many times guests on the show are focused on one or two assets, but you're more diversified and you have multi-class assets in your portfolio. So can you walk me through kind of what asset classes currently make up your portfolio? Sure. I have quite a few single family houses. I bought those during the downturn, 2009 to 2012, when they were like 75% off. Everybody likes a good sale. (laughs) I was buying property for $33 a square foot. And I knew the build cost was closer to $100 a square foot. So I knew it would come back at some point. So that was one of the smarter things was, and it's, it's one of the points I want to make to your audience today is take what the market is giving you. Often people say, I like self-storage. I want to do self-storage. But if you don't have an opportunity in self-storage or if it's a bad time to be in self-storage because everybody else and their mom wants to be in self-storage, maybe it's not the best, right? So learn to look at where the opportunities are. And at that point, hey, single family was on sale big time. And so I took advantage of that. So I'm more opportunity driven than asset class specific. Like I love the mobile home space. When I started investing, there were like nine and 10 caps that you could buy. But at this point, they're more like four caps. So they've gotten considerably more expensive. So I'm more selective now in the operators that I go in. I still love that business. I am in self-storage, retail shopping centers, you know, multifamily, 
whole variety. I like variety. It's good for diversification. You also learn about those businesses so you can learn like when there is opportunity in those businesses or like everybody hates retail at some point. Well, at some point it becomes more lucrative to be in retail because nobody else wants to be in retail. Yeah, absolutely. You just said that you're learning as you go along, you know, and basically buying new type of assets. How do you balance between specializing in one type of asset? So if you do only self-storage or only single family homes, how do you balance that with just seizing an opportunity where you see, okay, this is where the market is, or this is a great deal. I know it's going to be lucrative, but I don't really know much about it because that's going to be my first deal. How do you balance out, you know, specializing in one asset class and taking it advantage of the certain situation, the circumstances and enter a new kind of type of asset? Sure. Great question. And it's difficult, right? Because if you know something's working, you tend to want to stick with it, which is a good thing. And it's a good thing if, if you have a proven system, if, if you have an operator that's working super well for you, delivering, consistently delivering, exiting super well, then you know, hey, I want to keep investing. But you also want to be very careful not to get all your eggs in one basket because life happens. I had a situation where I have these deals, this family been in business running retail kind of strip centers for 25 years. All of a sudden the dad goes off the deep and embezzles a bunch of money. You know, this is a 25 year track record. So anything can happen along the way. So it's good to keep some eggs in different baskets. I like to learn in those different baskets, but to your point, there is something like if a certain asset class is working and you know, it's working and you have great operators in that, there's nothing wrong with owning a bunch of multifamily assets, right? But it's also good to, you know, I like to be involved with different businesses because different business cycles might affect, like somebody might've been killing it in office. And if they had 90% of their assets in office and all of a sudden the world changes and office is no longer a great asset class to be in, like it can change overnight. So it's good to have money in different buckets. And what's the most exciting bucket for you now? What type of asset class do you like to invest in now? Well, one of the things that I'm doing I really like now is what I call the ultimate value add strategy, and that's building our yield. And we're, so we're doing a build to rent project in LA. So we take basically an old house, we scrape it, build four brand new townhouses on it, add an ADU in the garage, and then now you have five units. Now you can put commercial mm -hmm. debt on it and you can hold those long-term. So that's a super exciting way because right now in the marketplace, you go to buy that assets are expensive, right? And so yeah. how do you get a discount? So you get a discount by building that. So you can actually kind of build it for a six cap and it's worth a four cap, but you couldn't go out and buy it for a six cap today, right? And so, right. you know, you were mentioned a few podcasts ago, how like the family offices and people, they don't mind a lower cash on cash return. They're looking at that overall IRR number, right? That's more important. Right. So you actually make how much you amplify your net worth, not just like, did I make 4% or 6% or 8%? That's the, the small money, right? They want to make sure they're getting a 15 or 18 yep. or 20. Patient capital. So in that, you forego that cash flow for that first 18 months while you build these assets, but then you have a brand new asset. You've acquired it significantly under market value, and it's a great strategy to create wealth. That's very interesting. And it's specifically lucrative if you happen to time the market right in Los Angeles where prices are, seems like they're always on the rise, even though it's not the case 100% of the time, but assets are in demand. You know, it's interesting because I still read about, you know, in the news about people leaving LA, but then I'm looking at what's happening in the residential market. And even those who stayed, and most people did stay, there's not a lot of product out there. So, 
you know when you're buying a single family home today in Los Angeles, if you don't come up with a strong offer that is normally, it needs to be 50 to, I don't know, $200,000 above asking, you don't even stand a chance. And most buyers, I don't know if most buyers actually, but many buyers are cash buyers. So that's if you need a mortgage, that's another kind of hurdle. So right now it's a disaster to find a house. And if you're willing, and as an investor, if you want to buy a house for an investment as a rental property, you know, if you need to pay a quarter million or 200K or 100K more, that can really put a lot of pressure on your yield, especially in the first, you know, years of operations. So I like that, that ultimate value add strategy and, you know, being patient and willing to do the hard work. Or if you're a passive investor, you know, people like you can do the work and you don't have to deal with contractors and permits. You can basically, if you're patient, you can make a decent amount of money. Exactly. It's a great strategy. And I've learned in that arena as well. So part of this four plus one strategy of building townhouses, it's all wood frame construction. It's much simpler. You don't have to go through an entitlement process. Many of the things that give kind of development, uh, like, oh, that's really tough way to make money. Trying to avoid those, the commercial, the subterranean parking, the building an elevator, doing all that stuff that's complicated and takes a lot of time or three years entitlement process. All these projects are by right. So you when you buy the piece of dirt, you have the right to build those four units and state law gives you the right to build that ADU. So it's nice when the law is actually working on your side. Mm. And so it gives you a lot of benefits. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, some homes here, I was actually just speaking with a neighbor that is renovating a house and it's still taking him four years and it's not, the house is not done yet. And I asked him, why does it take you four years to renovate a house? Just knock it down and build a new one. And he goes, you know, he says, Ellie, if I knock it down and build a new house, I can build only half of what the current house allows me because it's an older home and the city's not going to take away the current size of what you're allowed to build. So if you strip down most of the house and keep the foundations and then expand it and, and build, it's going to look and feel like a new house. But if you start from scratch, you have a lot more that was the restrictions on the size of the house that you can build on a certain lot. So what you do is actually very smart because you say, hey, I'm going to take advantage of whatever I can and divide it into four homes. And that way I can maximize the value of what I can get for this specific investment. It's similar to rentals where you have one, you know, one bedroom versus three bedrooms apartment. If you look at the price per square foot, it's much higher on the one bedroom. So just dividing it to four or three units, you're going to get a lot more than just, you know, building one big, beautiful house or two homes. Exactly. And you're going to get more rental income, right? You're going to yes. have five people paying rent as opposed to one. So that also reduces your risk, right? Because now you have five income right. streams versus one. So we touched on strategy already. Let's continue there. And I wanted to ask you about, you know, investing for growth versus cash flow. And I think I know where, you know, what your answer is going to be. But what's your favorite strategy and kind of what's the pros and cons of each, if you don't mind? Sure. Well, sharing cash flow is the, yeah. is the long game, right? That's what yeah. you eventually want. You want to have cash flow. But the problem is if you have 50 grand invested and you're making 8% on it, that's four grand a year, Right not life-changing. Even if you get, when you get your nest egg to be 500,000 and you're getting 8% off of that, that's 40 grand a year, right? Hey, it's a beautiful business. You're making 40 grand a year. But if you live in the LA 
40 grand a year is a little tough, right? So basically what you need to do is build a big enough nest egg, right? Build your net worth and your investment capital, increase your capital stack, right? To a sizable enough position so that when you're getting those 8% cash flows, that's enough to be life-changing for you, right? So that's the ultimate goal. So I kind of split it between the two, but because I am a film composer and I have great W-2 income that I pay myself, I haven't had to focus so much on cash flow. So I've really focused on these appreciation plays, like building things, trying to get those yield pops, trying to basically make a 2X or make a 1.8 in a very short amount of time, not a long time. I'm sacrificing sometimes cash flow for that. But because I have, you know, I think many of your audience, if you have a great job or you're a doctor, lawyer, tech guy, you know, you don't need cash flow, right? What you're looking for is to build that nest egg big enough so that that 8% stream coming off of that is enough to be, be game over for you. So I do like kind of balancing those two. And now at this point, I am thinking I'm actually trying to take assets and scale more toward cash flow. So I have more dependable income coming in every month. So that's just at one point I was a little bit out of balance where like 90% of my stuff is in wealth creation that you can't put in the bank, but you're building your net worth rapidly, which is beautiful. But at the same time, you want to be able to know like cash is also beautiful to have. So, yeah. so I would say it's over the last 10 years, it's been very focused on appreciation is more important, but now I'm trying to basically develop a very consistent cash flow stream, you know. And so it's basically changed a little bit. But again, this really is a very personal question. It's where you're at in life. What are your goals? Like if you hate your job and you want to quit, then you're going to have to think, okay, how am I going to replace that cash flow becomes more important? Where if you're saying like, hey, I'm happy in my career. I'm making great money. I want to take some of that money and start turning it into dependable income so that at the point I want to walk away, I basically have that option financially to make that decision. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it can be a bit weird to be cash poor, but then, you know, be wealthy or well off because most of your wealth is actually in hard assets. It can feel a little bit uncomfortable, but if you remember the long-term game plan and what you're building, then it can bring you, you know, more comfort. Let's talk about process. And when it comes to process, the topic I want to talk about today is using tax sheltered accounts to invest in real estate and lower your taxable income. Can you talk to me about that? What are these accounts and what's the process to starting and operating those accounts? Sure. One of the great advantages of owning your own business is you can set up your own 401k plan, right? Because a lot of people, some of the gurus, they downplay, oh, don't invest in your 401k. It's a horrible idea. Well, where I agree with them is that when you have very limited choice, you have one income mutual fund that you can choose from or a bond fund and your company gives you very limited options, that's a tough road, right? You're kind of being, you're not really investing. You're just basically choosing a few options and hoping for your best, right? But when you can self-direct that, you can use those funds in your 401k or your defined benefit or your health savings account or your kids Coverdale college funds. You can use all those funds to invest in real estate, buy notes, do lending from, invest in projects. You have lots of options because it's self-directed. You get to choose that. I mean, you could buy gold if you want to buy gold, or you could buy Bitcoin if you want to buy Bitcoin. Like You have a lot of freedom in those accounts to basically be the guy who's making those decisions. And with that comes you know some responsibility, but it also comes a lot of freedom. And so you can choose things that are wonderful. And part of that is choosing an investment. So if an investment is very tax inefficient as regular money, like let's say it's a hard money deal or a lending deal where you can make 12 or 15%. 
It's beautiful until the tax man comes and takes half that away, right? But if you can put that inside your retirement account, then that 15% can continue to grow and compound. If you happen to have it in the raw side, it's even more beautiful because then the tax man never comes. But in the other accounts, then the tax man comes much later after you've, again, built your capital stack to a sizable enough number that your cash flow coming off of that is beautiful. Very interesting. And I know that this is an interesting topic to many investors because they have recently filed their taxes or an extension and they're kind of looking into the numbers. So finding creative ways to lower your taxable income or to be smart about the amounts of taxes that you're paying, that's pretty crucial. Well, thank you for that. That was very, very interesting. And just wanted to, you know, thank you again, Brian, for your time today. Now we've actually arrived to the lightning round questions part. This is the exciting part, the part that I'm asking all my guests, the same five questions. The first one is, what's your favorite hobby? My favorite hobby, probably coaching basketball. So I've, mm. I've coached my son's basketball teams from the time he was like probably six, seven years old and just trying to motivate a bunch of kids and help them learn and grow and from a point where they can't make a shot to the point where they're making shots and they're figuring out how to run an offense and set screens. It's very rewarding and I love it. Awesome. That's awesome. What's the one thing that people don't know about you? Ooh, there's a lot of things people don't know about me. I mean, some people don't know all about my real estate world. They just know me as the music guy. So I would say ah. in some sense that they don't know about my whole real estate kind of, because it's really amazing. It's grown and it's become its own business to run. So I would say a lot of people don't know that about me. All right, Brian. So if you can share with us a book that you've read recently and inspired you and you think could be helpful for our listeners, it doesn't have to be real estate, but just generally speaking, a great book that you've read recently. Sure. It's The Art of Possibility by Benjamin Zander. He's a conductor and just a lot of mind blowing concepts, like how we take the world of measurement, right? And how we want to like, hey, I want to like, how many units do you have under control? And this and this and this. And we're very much like stacking ourselves versus like, hey, what's possible? How could we work together? What are the just a different way of looking at the world? So I highly recommend that read. All right. Brian, what's your advice? to listeners in terms of living their best lives and living extraordinary lives? Ooh, great question. I would say work at it. You know, a lot of people just like, they just get in their loop and their circle. And I understand this, I get in my grind and I'm like busting out music and I'm looking for the next deal. But it's really important. I think that word of designing a life, I think people think that like some people have this extraordinary life and it just happened for them. But everything good in my life was intentional. I had to work at it. I have to work at my relationships. I have to work at being a father. I have to work at being a good business guy and a business partner. And, you know, those things require growth to be great at a lot of things, at relationships, right? At giving back, at how to make a difference. Those are all things you have to do intentionally. So I would say like spend quality time with a pencil or a computer, just thinking like, how can I make a bigger difference in the world? What else do I want to do? What is really, really important to me? Because so often we just get on this treadmill grind, even in the wonderful world of real estate and investing, you can just get in a grind and do what you do and not really think about like, what else is possible? What else could I be doing? How else could we attack this problem differently? Great advice. I love it. It's really great advice. Brian, thank you so much for your time today. Again, it was great chatting with you. If listeners would like to reach out to you and connect with you, where can they find you? 
Sure. The best place is capitalstackinvestments.com. And there's a resource that my business partner and I worked on. It's called Lessons from 50 Deals. So it's just different lessons that I've learned from buying different investments, things that went super well, things that didn't go as well as planned. And it's a great resource to really speed up your investing career. So that's a great place to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you that it doesn't matter how many years you're going to be in real estate, you're always going to learn something new. There's always something going on with real estate. Absolutely. All right, Brian, thank you so much again. It was great having you and I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. It was a real pleasure to be with you, Ellie. All right. And that's it for today, guys. If you'd like to speak with my team about investing, go to bluelake-capital.com. Until then, be bold, be great, and create your own kind of extraordinary life. And I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.